We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. What we do not do is spy unlawfully on Americans. We are leaving in 2014, period. Ladies and gentlemen, we got them. America's public enemy number one in the United States is drug abuse. In order to fight and defeat this enemy, it is necessary to wage a new all-out offensive. You are listening to Biting the Bullet with Luke and Typo. All right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Biting the Bullet. Um, well, we've this is like our fourth week in a row that we have guests. We don't really always have a guest. But for this uh, fourth week in a row, we bring another guest to the podcast. And it's uh, Makaija Jackson. How are you doing, man? Doing pretty good, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Welcome to the show. Um <laughs> So, well, first of all, we can start off with something that we all kind of have in common. And uh, you were in the Marine Corps, right? Yes. What uh, what years were you in, man? Uh, 15 through 2017. I was okay. discharged on the middle of deployment, on the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Well, not discharged then, but got sent to Balboa then a couple months after that. So I got two a little over two years in. Okay. What were you, uh, met, was it a med thing or was it something else? Yeah. Uh, I got separated. Um, uh, then it did turn into medical. Yeah. I, I got That's an honorable discharge. And I, yeah. So like my honorable discharge sits at my, I have it next to my caught my college, uh, academic stuff. So then, uh, uh, let's see about, a year and a half after that, the VA rated me at a hundred percent. There you go. So I was the the reason why. So I'll be honest with you guys. I'm not gonna. I'm not a bullshitter type of guy like that. You know, you meet those Marines where they just they kind of shy <laughs> yeah. behind it. I had no negative pros and cons. I had no NJPs. I had no negative write ups. But what happened was I was sexually assaulted which I did not report because most sexually assaults in the military, especially men, we're just not going to go report it. And at the right. time, I didn't really think of it as sexually assault until everything started kind of unraveling for me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but mainly it wasn't, uh, it just wasn't a sexual assault. There was just, there was uh, physical abuse. Yeah. You know, uh, getting hazed is one thing when you mess up. It's like, you just need to learn your lesson, go do a little push-ups or whatever, whatever it is. You're the new guy that yeah, yeah. I'm, all, I'm all about that. But there's a time when it's three o'clock in the morning and you've done nothing wrong. And there's a grown man with his hands around your neck and picking you up off your bed. Yeah. That, that, that's uh that's abuse. So um, pretty much I dealt with that. Uh, deployment was easy. I wasn't stressed out about deployment. It was just a fact right before deployment, they switched our teams up and this particular sergeant, uh, he was a cock. I mean, it was, 
He just was a piece of shit human being. Oh yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. And I always did what I had to do and, uh, kind of, you know, I'm trying to get everything fixed apart, you know? So I was seeing the, the Navy doctor, then they had me go see chaps and they had to go. They had, I was trying to do everything. Yeah. It's like I, a I, whole fucking I, process. They make I you was even, I jump was, through hoops. I was so loyal too. my platoon commander said, do you want to stay with this platoon? I said, yes, I want to stay with the platoon. Maybe I should have said no, but me being loyal, I said, I want to stay with them. Let's just get this figured out. So pretty much with everything going on, um, I was pretty much blacked out without alcohol. I, I, the stress was so high because of everything. Going, I was having these blackouts where I just kind of just end up somewhere and not really knowing what's going on. Yeah. So that led to my discharge. So uh, I got honorable discharge, got the VA stuff. Um, I don't regret anything. I, I would still do it all over again, even go through the same pain I did. I mean, even though it was a short time, I still have pride in it. I wasn't mm -hmm. a shit bag. I took care of my stuff. I had no, you know, I, I deployed. I did the whole, I did the whole workup. I was, I was the first boot drop to my unit when they were still deployed. And I did a whole, whole full was, workup. Yeah. It was six month whole, workup. Well, we did a whole 12 year, 12 months. Okay. Then we deployed in that May and I got sent home off emergency leave from ship around mid August. And on that deployment, we lost three Marines. Um, one of our uh, Ospreys tapped over and that was supposed to, we were my, it was my platoon that was supposed to be on that one, but they always at the last minute, always doing time yeah, changes and whatnot. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't see combat. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't the infantry. I was a rifleman, which I'm actually grateful. I didn't see combat just because of like, well, if these little things messed me up for a time being and had to work out some kinks in my life, I can only imagine what combat would have done or what combat vets go through that is much worse. So, I'm actually yeah. grateful I didn't see combat. A uh, short time, but I still enjoyed every little bit of it. Even the there were still great moments about it. You know, I I was one of the guys. I it really it actually bothered me. You know, when you get in there and um, I know guys want to get out once they're getting close, but these guys are talking about selling their uniforms, burning them, coming into formation drunk, and it, it just kind of shocked me a little bit it's like man we, we get we get being in the infantry we get paid the pt we can sit around in the rooms when we're not in the field we get the bs half the time when we're not in the field or deployed our, our there's good gyms all over base we're in i was in southern california so we're in orange county you lucky you know, bastard <laughs> so i took you know i i I really enjoyed it. You know, there was a lot of good perks of just being in the military and being right there. I mean, it's obviously the, the Marine Corps have some flaws. Yeah. But there's not a lot of jobs where you get paid to kick down doors and get trained to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Well, well, I appreciate you, you sharing a little bit about it with us. Uh, you know, typo typo. And I didn't see combat either. I, uh, did a full workup and then, um, decided not to, uh, not to go on the deployment and I was at the end of my time anyways. So I was just like, I'm good. Uh, that's kind of when, uh, I don't know if you know, but typo and I are kind of in that libertarian sphere that 
you know, not really conservative or conservative. Actually, Type One and I are probably pretty conservative compared to most libertarians at this point. But yeah, not, I ride the same way too. Don't worry. Yeah. I, so we're so we're kind of in that libertarian sphere. So I just started not understanding why we were doing what we were doing, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I got out in uh in sixteen, and Typo got out in seventeen. So okay. we're we're all right around the same time. Like I was twenty twelve to. 2016 typo was 2012 to 2017 so we're we're all right there let's take a break for our sponsor and our sponsor is once again david day david offers a legal protection membership it gives you access to attorneys 24 7 for as little as a dollar a day when you're pulled over don't talk to the police shut the fuck up and call your attorney When a company screws you over, don't try and call or fight your way out of it. Have your attorney write them a letter. Take action to be the man of your house and protect your family from the worst aspects of the state. Visit David's website, davidday.com backslash bullet, so he knows that we sent you there. His website is davidday.com backslash bullet. That's D-A-V-I-D-D-D-A-Y.com backslash bullet. Thank you, David, for sponsoring the show again. Let's get back to it. But yeah, dude, uh, you know, the military, we always we always talk about it. The Marine Corps especially is like uh, it's like the twilight zone. You meet <laughs> some of the, the fucking best people in the world. And then you meet some of the absolute worst scum of the earth uh, that are in it. Like it's oh, both. Yeah. like you, you just it's kind of it's just kind of what, what the draw is of it. You know, it takes a certain kind of person and some of those are extremely right or righteous in like a good way. And then some of those mm-hmm. are, you know, kind of psychopaths that see something that they can take advantage of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I fully agree with that, but sometimes you need those psychopaths because they're the ones that are going to sit in the foxhole when the range, when they're taking Absolutely bullets down agree. range. <laughs> yeah, dude. Sometimes you need a little psychopath in you, but the Marine oh, yeah. Corps, you know, the Marine Corps, they got, it's it's one of those things and and we kind of talk about it a lot but um well i'm glad you're doing better and i you know you run the uh the jfk report on twitter yep. um fuck i just watched that uh, that your pin tweet mm-hmm. uh talking to what's his name uh, luke robinson luke, luke robinson yeah sad that he shares my name um <laughs> but uh but it's, tell me a little bit about that. How'd you get into this this new phase of your life at, at yeah. this point? Well, I've kind of, the way I'm in it now, it has to start off with my childhood. Okay. We can start. There. But I wasn't deeply involved. I, I was interested in it. But the way I'm involved did now. Con- did you grow up a little bit more conservative or? I wouldn't even call me conservative. Um, I didn't even know what those terms were yet by then. My okay. girl, okay. My ancestors are from North Scotland, and we've been in the United States since the 1650s. We were Quakers. We we rebelled against the King of England many times, and because of being Quakers and robbing horses, and Andrew Jackson, Glover Cleveland, William Wallace, all documented ancestors in my family tree. So you kind of look at that history, it's like it kind of runs in the family to kind of be uh, some sort of patriotic for your country and anti-government in a way or anti-authoritarian in a way. Mm-hmm. 
kind of right in the line, just leave us alone, let live, be free, whatever, kind of libertarian. But there used to be this show on PBS. I forgot the name of it, but it used to be, it was a cartoon of the American Revolution. I remember watching that from like seven to about nine years old. But then in grade school, always learning about American history, the Constitution. So it's always kind of been my thing a little bit. But I opened up to being a libertarian probably when I was about 15. Um, I've always been anti-elitist, like my father. We we now I – I have conservative values in tradition and culture. Because in order to have a nation, you need to have – your values, culture, and tradition. But when it comes to policies and beliefs and how I feel about government, I'm more libertarian. Okay. Because conservatism isn't the answer when you're fighting the government. Conservative is the answer when you're fighting for culture, tradition, and your way of life. So I agree. I grew up on a ranch. When my, my, well, I'm from Montana originally. Parents divorced. Mom married my stepdad. I've known him since I was seven. Went back and forth, you know, see my dad in the summertime helping on the ranch. And uh, growing up on the ranch, dad always listened to Glenn Beck or Rush Limbaugh on the radio. So I had that influence. I'm, I'm actually yeah. a big Glenn Beck guy. He, that guy was one of the – before Alex Jones, he was – this guy was kicked off of national platforms. We're talking about like George Soros and all these deep yeah. pockets where money's coming from and what they're doing. Uh so, but maybe not as wild as Alex Jones, but more <laughs> uh, moderate with how he's approaching it. I best I could say it. So I had that, but I also grew up around the Ron Paul era when my dad was voting for him. I wasn't old enough to vote, but on my Dodge Neon in high school, I had a Ron Paul sticker. So, and Ron Paul was big against the elites in the deep state. So in high school, you know, I mean, it wasn't a passionate for me. You know, I'd pay attention or might complain a little bit even though I wasn't old enough to vote. My mom would always say, you're not old enough to vote. I don't know why you're, but I think everyone should be able to pay attention at a young age. I mean, shit. A lot of the, during the American Revolutionary War and the War of 1812, there was boys from 12 to 16 years old fighting in that. Yep. And Andrew Jackson was just a boy when the American Revolutionary War was happening and he was fighting back. Yeah. So... You have that, but when I went in the Marine Corps, I mean, I just, I would read the news, okay, not really into, you know, here and there. It wasn't until the summer of 2019, so I'm a very constitutional guy, and I actually voted for Gary Johnson in 2016. I wasn't anti-Trump, <laughs> I was just, yeah, I don't so know, I didn't know it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I didn't I think. Of, <laughs> I just thought it was like another Republican GOP. It's like, ah, I'm voting Libertarian. But then I started noticing things. I'm like, my family in rural parts of America are making more money. I'm seeing more people enjoy their lives more. Taxes are not as high. We're getting out of these wars. We're making peace deals. This Trump literally. Cross the Rubicon and shook Kim Jong Un's hand. Clinton's Bush, Clinton, Bush, Obama, and now Biden will never ever to do, never be able to do that, never. But 
it wasn't until the summer of 2019, this fake impeachment hoax, something just triggered in me. And I just started getting more involved. I moved to Arizona. And originally, I was coming out here for, I was going to get involved in a music school. It's called Kraz. It's over by, uh, I think, you. It's over in Lake okay. Mesa, Chandler area, where it's a, okay. en- a sound engineering school to be like a producer or like live shows. Because actually, you know, uh, I'm four and a half years sober um, from alcohol. Uh, in high school, I loved hip hop and rap. I still listen to it. But, you know, for me, as like I wanted to get in the, the hip hop industry, either if it was like producing, rapping or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, sobered up wasn't really my thing that I'm like well maybe I could just do engineering so I found a school I'm like oh Phoenix has one the VA wasn't going to cover for that because they didn't have enough information on that so I was kind of stuck in this limbo for a couple months then I had this moment like a spiritual moment and it clicked I was like oh well what have I been passionate about since I moved to Arizona I've been watching all these politics I've been talking about it. I'm reading all these books I enrolled in college and I graduate next week Fuck yeah, with a bachelor. Too. Appreciate that. Bachelor of Arts in Government. And this coming fall, I begin my graduate program in political science, um, concentrated on comparative politics or comparative government, which would be like authoritarian regimes, democracy, monarchies mm-hmm. in that realm. I get I'm more interesting in those sort of political topics. That, and philosophies of like the Soviet Union, Nazi Germany, how you get a Mao, how you get a Pol Pot, how you get a North Korea. That's kind of my right. thing. And even I've read Aristotle, Plato. So, yeah, that's kind of how I know it's a little bit long, but that's pretty much it's kind of been dating back to my late ancestors and kind of my influence throughout life. Yeah, no, and that makes sense. I, and it's pretty much this is the path God wanted me to go down. You know, it just finally opened to me when I had that spiritual moment three years ago when I decided to go to college. And, and my goal is to be a, prof- a professor at a university for uh, government history. It was, uh, we need to take back our universities. Uh, everything's being taken over by this Marxist influence, which is not a route you want to go down unless you want to go back into history uh, in 1917 when the Bolsheviks took over Russia and overthrew the Tsar monarchy. Uh, that's how they, that's what everything they did. They took every little institution you could. And the only way to fight that back is we have to take back those institutions. And that's one thing conservatives lack in. They think living out in rural America, they will be untouched. But now you see in rural America where they're, uh, grooming kids in these high schools and teaching critical race theory and anti-American rhetoric. And I'm not going to tolerate that at the academic level. And we had to take that back and we need to educate the next generation to like actual factual, true history and government and politics. And, and the reason why I'm in politics and government is even the founder said it, the being an American, you have to be involved in politics and government. We've been so silver spoon fed here in this country. We're so privileged here now. You meet people that just don't care about the, the government or what goes on. I, I I walked down the street one day in Phoenix and I asked like, hey, I asked this one guy, what's the constitution? He couldn't even name me the Bill of Rights. 
And he was an immigrant. And I do have an issue with that, which that's a different topic. But even if you're an immigrant or American citizen, if you don't know our rights and what this country is about, I don't want you here. I don't share a country with you. But that's a different topic. But that's pretty much where I got here in politics. It's kind okay. of been my whole life. I'm sorry that took a little bit, but <laughs> no, you're fine. No, it's that's that's what we wanted to know. Like it, uh, it makes sense. Like I understand where you're coming from. It doesn't sound too far fetched. And you know, I applaud you for going the school route. Both Typo and I tried our merry little hearts, and we were like, "Yeah, I can't do this." I went to, I was at W. P. Carey at ASU, and I was like, "Fuck this." No, so I was going hey, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that, like, man. I'm done. So I went. I'm in a trade now typo is doing the same thing yep he went uh doing a welding school and that's a good one he's about to graduate soon too good. so you guys are both doing or both graduating in the next month good which no is, we we impressive. need all the trade schools we need to i'm glad you if you if you don't want to go through the university trade school is the way to go there's nothing wrong with that one of my Absolutely. good friends from the marine corps used his gi bill and he's a trucker now making good money yeah my one buddy, he he was a three six in uh, Lejeune. He went to the university. Only lasted like a couple months. He didn't like it. He just went straight into the workforce. But now he's serving twenty years in prison for a DUI. So, damn. Yeah, oh, wow. it was his third D, third DUI, and it caused a six car pileup that killed two people. So, holy Jesus. shit! Yeah, hey, man, it's yeah. it's always in Marines you hear the crazy stories about. Yeah, it's always it's us, true. man. It's always us. But you know what's interesting about that? Before he was sentenced that summer, about three months before he was sentenced, the VA gave him 100% for alcohol dependency because the Corps uh, started it with them because he didn't drink. I knew, you know, I grew up with these kids in second grade. Yeah. A year into the Marine Corps on leave, I mean, we were, man, we could just hammer beer, man. It just oh, with the Marine Corps, yeah. Yeah, no. Hey, we know we're right there with you. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm sober or anything like that. Oh, uh, no. I, my, my drinking under the Marine Corps and then the first year, two years, maybe three years outside of the Marine Corps was pretty bad. It was pretty oh, yeah. bad for me. Like, even for Typa, I mean, we, he and I, I got out a year before him, but he came out and lived with me. We all, we had a couple Marine Corps buddies. <laughs> we all ended up yeah. living together and going to school. Um, which was probably the best thing that we could have done because if we were all separated and by ourselves, I just don't think any of us would have done that well, but it, yeah. it, it kind of speaks to the, the, the problems that you face in the military just doesn't, it doesn't correlate to the outside world and no. you, you don't really, uh, create very good coping mechanisms inside the Marine Corps. So when you transfer those coping mechanisms that you had inside the Marine Corps to outside the, into the civilian world, it just doesn't work the same way. No, you're exactly right. And that's one thing I didn't have when I got out was uh, the, the brotherhood still because of how yeah. the discharge happened and everything. So I was kind of yeah. just looked yeah, with my own hard. and trying to figure out, but uh, I got a great private counselor. Then the VA got involved and he got me sober and I'm, you know, I, yeah, I don't, you know, I'm not one of those guys that pushes sobriety on you, but like yeah, my, yeah. Friend, my friend is in prison. Me and my friends, we're all actually veterans. My one buddy's a tab ranger. He's been out for about a year now. Um, We went army, two Marines, another guy, Air Force, Navy, but we all tried getting him sober. Just, he was battling hard. But for me, 
if you get like my one buddy, he'll have a drink here and there. Um, and I'll, I still go to bars just to hang out with them. I don't, you know, it's, that's yeah. kind of the American culture. You kind of have to, if you want to go hang out with the boys, you kind of do what you got to do, but not everyone, yeah. if you're not, everyone could do that though. I, I don't get tempted, but for me, I, I had to get sober because as soon as I, I was a gin guy, I could finish a fit the gin in a night. And, uh, as soon as I opened a bottle of gin or cracked one, it's time to black out, <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't one of those depressed drunks. Either. Um, if I was in a depressive state, I could, you know, if I was, but once I started drinking, it's like, I wanted to go party and just like, let's go have yeah. fun. You know, that was kind of my thing. So. Yeah. Typo and I were gin guys. <laughs> yeah. We yeah, I used to mix guys. the Bombay and lemonade that Wiz Khalifa style. <laughs> we were we were weirdos. We would we would actually like like gin and tonics when we were like twenty one. Like I don't know why. But Everybody would like, be we like, would... "How old are you guys?" <laughs> we're like, yeah. "What? We like gin. Leave us alone." Yeah, yeah. No, there's when I when I got out, I lived in a college town in Ohio, and the bartenders were always freaked out. And I would go up to him and be like, I want two shots of Bombay Sapphire straight. And they're like, wait, are you sure? Did I stutter? <laughs> and they would see me take it. And they were just like, what the, who the hell is this dude? And then I would get yeah. my Bombay and lemonade of no ice. Because I don't like ice my, <laughs> when I used to my, drink my, my gin. And I mean, woo, yeah, good times, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel you do. We well, I would say most of the time we were pretty much the happy, like go party, just want to go crazy. But then some nights it would end it end in like anger, and that was always fun. I mean, uh that wasn't too often. But you know, you get like three kind of aggressive junk marines living together. Yeah. There's gonna be some aggression that comes out on each other sometimes and I mean, it probably wasn't the best way to handle it, but we we managed. We figured it yeah. out. <laughs> we That's figured it out, do. and all of us are semi-successful now. You know, yeah, none yeah, of us yeah. none of us had too many severe problems. Typo and I still haven't even done our fucking VA shit, so we don't have any disability rating, which we should. But at this point, you know, it's just I don't uh, worry. My stepdad's been saying that for the past twenty years. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's like forty-five. So I'm thinking about going to the VA. He said that a couple years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's usually how it goes. There's some of them, some of us, you know, they just go and they get it done right away and they're smart about it and it helps them out a lot. And then the rest of us are too stubborn yeah, and lazy I, to go do it. I probably wouldn't have done it, but my, my, my grandpa, my dad, and my uncle, they're like, go get it done. I was like, all right. I'm like, all right. You know, so yeah, I did so it. You come from uh, military family. Uh, yeah, I not living on base and whatnot, but well, yeah, yeah, yeah. but just but family much, that I mean, was in the military. I think my grandfather was the first one to being it being Quakers, we didn't fight in wars, right? So, even though William Wallace and Andrew Jackson and Stonewall Jackson are my ancestors, they were they were cousins to like my direct like great grandparents, okay, but. My grandfather was the first one to join the military, and that's on my Jackson side. Well, like on my my mom's side, my uncle and my grandpa and some other uncles and and my stepdad's family too. I mean, yeah. So I pretty a lot of a lot of military uh, blue collar workers, you know. And yeah. well, my my side of the my Jackson side ranchers and 
pretty much since 1860s and and farming and when we we're before we moved to montana so yeah gotcha yeah typo's whole family is all military all the way up and down it <laughs> yeah it's yeah. like uh they like you it's like i always tell people it's like forrest gump um what's his name captain uh dan or lieutenant dan yeah. Yeah. And but my family, we none of us died, and we all all the wars like we all came out of the war alive. <laughs> so God that's bless. It. That's a good thing, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, what was it? Uh, yeah, I my baby brother. I told he enlisted in the Marine Corps. And I he listened to me. At first, I was like, I don't think you should join, but he did it anyways, which I'm cool with. Uh, but he did take my advice and not to join the infantry. And he went combat camera. Oh hell yeah! Okay, there you go, <laughs> guys. He's about to pick up Sergeant Man, and Fucking he's he's asshole. he's one of those he's one of those anime nerds. So he's over in Oki. And he just <laughs> he just loves it. So he's making he's he's already getting uh, NCO pay. He's a he's a he's a leading Marines. He's married and he's an Oki, uh, and he's twenty two. So he, so you know he's enjoying it over there. You know, yeah. yeah. We were so Typo and I were we both were. stationed. Yeah, we were in Oki first um at camp hansen and then okay yeah and then we were on uh 29 palms so we got oh. like the two yeah. worst bases you could go to yeah in the in the marine corps and yeah, i was, uh, at pendleton. I was with <laughs> yeah you were at pendleton yeah. yeah i was at i was with 311 so an already battalion oh yeah yep i know 311 yep yeah and then he was first tanks oh tank okay yeah yeah, and they don't even yeah. have that anymore. It yeah, doesn't exist. it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> it's because it's because they 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 brought women into first tanks and tried to get them to be guns, and then they were like, "Oh no, we can't do this anymore. We're just getting rid of the whole thing." No, that, that, there's a lot of stuff that's poison in the core. <clears throat> you know what's wild is one woman could join the whole battalion or platoon, and all the men had to accommodate for her. But they, the woman can't accommodate for the men. I actually believe there should be segregation in the military with men and women, and women should not have any combat roles in the military. Yeah, I that's that, that was pretty I, much common, uh, common pe thinking when we were in the Marine Corps. Like most people, most people generally I mean, that's thought what that. It was. Like that wasn't. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what it was. It wasn't until and recently, was like when, when we, we were in, when that was being changed. Yeah, like so that was when I and it got changed my last year. Yeah, when I got in 2015, we were in this middle phase of they were trying to keep it this old core, but they were talking about this new progressive core. So we were these middle ground people were like, what's going on here? We don't like this either. Because this uh, being in the infantry and in the unit, I, the, I was of the 5th Regiment. Um, if we saw female officers or female NCOs in our area on base, they want to get a proper greeting or they want to get a salute. And if our seniors found out, like say if I was a PFC or a bootlance corporal, if our seniors found out we saluted a female officer, they they would kick our dicks in. Like you don't Oh yeah. They that was the way it was over. You don't know. He says they're not from this this is infantry world. You they don't get the respect they get. You I don't care. And even if you're a you're a boot or not, this is how it rolls over here. And like that was the metallic. No, don't Everyone in the military does respect, but when you're in the military, it's a little bit different, especially in like these different worlds in the military and how it operates, yeah. especially in the infantry. Infantry is a whole different mentality. Yeah, I was a radio operator and Typo was Intel. Um, so we worked with 
I worked with a lot of infantry guys and I did most of my work with EOD because I was part of a oh EOD some good uh, shit. Yeah, EOD, those guys are awesome. Um, if I stayed in, that's what I would have stayed doing. I would have gone and stopped being a radio operator for because our our uh our unit in Oki was weird. It's the only one that's like this uh in the entire Marine Corps, but we had an entire company of EOD techs. Hmm. Um so ninth engineer support battalion. Most places have either an EOD like company, but it's kind of like their own unit on each base. Like that's how 29 Palms did. And they would send attachments to different deployments and different units like that. Um, but in Okinawa, we had ninth engineer support battalion and we had the uh, EOD guys as their own company. And we had like 50 of them or 60 of them all in our unit. And they would do, and it's because they did a lot of operations yeah. from, uh, Japan to go to um Korea, uh fucking Vietnam, Laos, like they would go Cambodia. all to those places, Cambodia. Yeah. So they would go to all these different places to explode on un unexploded ordinance from previous wars. Huh. Yeah. So wow. they had we had That'd a whole a cool company. Gig. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And I got I was a radio operator for them, which was dope. I had a good time doing that. And then they were all like, just fucking join, dude. Like we could always you don't even have to be a radio operator anymore. Just be an EOD guy. And I was, I was tempted boy. Like yeah. that was, that would have been a cool job. But at the same time, I was just like, you know what? I'm tired of dealing with the bullshit. Um, and I was just ready to get on with my life. I felt like I was stuck. Like I couldn't do anything yeah. else. Like I was, I like reached the ceiling. I realized there was a lot of things that I didn't like, and there was no way that to change them. So I was like, uh, I'm just going to go and try and, find my peace elsewhere because it's not going to be here oh yeah no i understand that i feel you on that oh yeah it's that's pretty cool man yeah yeah but uh so i i guess so we got some of your background and your history and how you got to to this point so once everything happened with trump especially with the uh the hoax fucking allegations uh of you know collusion with russia and yeah this that or the other that was kind of like you said that was kind of like your 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 idea light bulb going off right you were just yeah. like oh shit that was um, that was honestly the trump era was actually kind of like when me and luke became like like we kind of like really got i mean when trump came into politics i mean who the fuck wasn't interested you know like who wasn't yeah. like it what was fun. going on it, it was, was fun. fun dude and especially when he won uh so we like that's when we like kind of became like oh like something's going on and then coming from the military and your president gets accused of treason like actually working with a foreign agency like i don't and know everything that was, was coming like, out was bullshit like you could just clearly see the bullshit yeah. in everything um and, and then and the just the the complete lies yeah that they would tell um even after they would say like the worst part for me was watching them say one thing one day and then two weeks later being like, we never said that. That's not what this is about. Like it killed me. It fucking Yeah, they just kept me. moving the goalpost. Like whenever, yeah. whenever something like the Mueller investigation and for three years, they kept telling us like this investigation is going to destroy his reputation. It's going to come out. And then it finally it comes out. And after three years of the media screaming at us that he's a Russian, like they had nothing. They literally had nothing on him. And then they just move on. They just completely move on. Like nothing ever happened. And it was like, how yeah. could no one just remember they were lying to us for three months about this guy? It no accountability. 
That's what's wrong yeah. with our government. Is that's why I said we have to get more involved with our government because there's people thinking out there. Well, what can we do? There's yeah. a lot of things you could do: protest, picket, BLM riding. Even though I don't agree with their ideology and what they were pushing, more of a communist idea. A January six, voting people out, replacing judges and prosecutors, and holding people accountable. But. Uh, I think there's a reason why, you know, you said Trump got your attention like a lot of us did. He was a populist. He's not even a yeah. traditional conservative. Nope. The guy's just a populist, but he has some conservative beliefs and libertarian policies. And, you know, and and the guy's just a moneymaker. The guy's a freaking billionaire. And, I, and, I, and, <laughs> and him winning office, it makes sense. The founders weren't politicians. They never were. They were either generals, farmers, a family man, professors, teachers, ranchers, sell a business owner, a store, worked at a printer shop. But now all of a sudden, career, career in the politicians. Past, in the past 100 years, since like the early of 20th century, we have these career politicians, like you said, and families and embedded. And yeah. Like you look at the Bidens, the Pelosi's and look what they did to the Kennedy family. They, and now RFK Jr. is running and as a Democrat, I mean, and they just, the McCain's, the Rob, you could just look at, you could just look at all these names. You're like, but yeah, you know what they did, you know, the rhetoric they used against them. It's what, Pretty much what they've been doing this whole time is actual sedition to this country. And they formed a coup on January 6th and tried to say it was people like me to create this story. And now we're seeing these fake indictments, even though they are real, but fake in law and actual evidence. They're so terrified of this guy. And people like myself and others, they get him back in office because they know they're going to get, they won't get their agenda done. They're going to get cracked down. And the other thing is too, is their road's about to end. A lot of these people are old or their kids or their grandkids are like actual psychotic where they had these mental breakdowns and they're protected by their family's wealth. (laughs) So everything's unraveling. I'm not one of those guys that takes the black pill. We're all doomed. We're all doomed. We're all going to die. It's, I'm a Christian, so I believe in Jesus. So I have hope and faith. And you read through the the entire Bible, especially the New, the Old Testament, where kingdoms and empires fell, but they rose back up again to, to have a more godly society. That's just all part of life if you're, if you're a biblical guy like myself. But even if it's say you're not a biblical guy, look at all the empires that fell over all over the world and came back. I mean, absolutely. Russia and the Soviet Union, Nazi Germany, uh, Mao's China, even though there's somewhat of communist still. Uh, South Korea. South America's a mess, but there's a couple countries down there that are doing pretty good. But yeah, no, I mean, the thing is, is right now we're just fighting true government elite corruption since the beginning of Woodrow Wilson and it's all piling up and it's all coming out 
and the American people are seeing it. And the, other, the dangerous thing about it is, is we're seeing a Bolshevik type revolution take place in this country of these people on the other side of the aisle that actually want some sort of communism society <laughs> or some say may say socialist. Yeah. But no, yeah. Uh, Trump opened the door. It really opened people's eyes what's been going on these past 100 years, especially these last 60 to 20 years, especially in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, no. you know, Trump, Trump's an ex- interesting case, you know, like, so for, for me personally, I fucking loved when Trump was in office because it was hilarious. Um, it rattled a bunch of fucking cages, which I enjoy. I love rattling people's cages, especially <laughs> cages that deserve to be rattled. Um, uh, and there was some, it was weird. It was almost like, it was cult-like in a sense, but at the same time, there was just a lot of people that were like, you know, I don't necessarily agree with the way he talks. I don't necessarily agree with everything that he's done, but God damn it, he got shit, he got some shit done. You know, like he actually did get some shit done. And there's plenty, in my opinion, there's plenty to hit him on, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll hit him on be, the lockdowns. Yeah, the oh, lockdowns. Yeah. Not it, basically. Party. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everything with COVID. I mean, that was the, the, uh, I think that was his worst. Out of that was, that probably, was the worst. Yeah. By far. That and then the, you know, crazy spending of, oh, money yeah. During that yeah. Time he, he, he did do, he, he did spend a lot too. And yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. I, I can also understand um, him being put in that position by the left where they're like, well, you're all locked down and he's not going to release the money to pay you all out. And even if he wanted to just give it directly to the American people, they would never let that happen. Oh, yeah. And that's why, you know, we had crazy spending and oh, things yeah. like that. And I think... So I don't blame it just on him. Oh yeah. But and I think what we have to stop it. Oh, yeah. And I think what we have to realize, too, is this was Trump's first time ever in politics. Yeah, yeah He absolutely. knew it was bad, but he didn't realize how bad it was until he got in. Yeah. And yeah, he didn't realize he also, how deep the swamp was. Yeah. But he, he also, because of what the media portrayed him, and he really wanted a unity in the country. So he, he wanted to work with these people across the aisle to show, like, I'm not this guy you're talking about. But what they did to him in office and now out of office, when he gets back in, you're not going to see that. You're gonna, it's, you're actually going to see a crackdown on these people and what's going on across this country. You know, he let the city. You know, he offered National Guard, like, hey, we can send the National Guard in if you want to control these riots in like Portland, Minneapolis, uh, Chicago. They all said no. We'll, we'll handle it. Never got handled. And when he gets back in. And I'm 100% sure it's going to happen. There's going to be a massive crackdown on these big cities. And there's going to be some people voted out. And there will probably be some actual, some sort of uh, criminal indictments going on. Uh, Because indicting him opened up a new door, a dangerous door. And hopefully we don't go further down the rabbit hole. But we do have to clean up this country. So sometimes I always tell people. There's a difference of being an authoritarian leader 
versus a authoritarian empire sort of leader. Just if you look at the early founders and a lot of the earliest presidents, especially Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln was authoritarian. What he had to do to get the Civil War done, yeah, that's authoritarian. I mean, there's just some things you have to do as a man, and when you're running a country, you have to crack down on, and that's just part of the process. But like author- I, I would consider authoritarian empires, like what we saw with the Bushes, the Clintons, Obama, and now Biden, where they have all these puppets, and they all do this, and they're pushing this, and they want to do this, and they send these agencies after everyday American citizens to give you felonies and throw you in prison <laughs> and make up these charges, and they take you – See these corrupt jury pools. That isn't the American idea. That's that, that that's uh, <laughs> that's a very dangerous game too with political power and uh, actual tyranny. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, I was wondering if we'd talk a little bit about uh, January six. Is it cool yeah. with that? So January six <laughs> is worse than nine eleven, right? I guess when people are jumping out buildings 20 stories high and suffocating, I guess. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the reaction to January 6th was comical for most of us in this, this sphere that generally believe kind of the same way that, that you do here. Yeah. Um, I think it needed to happen. I think it was. So this is my thing with January 6th. I think it was awesome that it happened we were we sat down we all got together in our fucking living room and watched it that day we all got home from work early we cracked <laughs> open some beers and we watched it on the news we were stoked we were wondering what was gonna happen we were like holy shit some motherfuckers actually went there and decided to you know it wasn't even before they decided to go inside we were just watching it. We were like, holy shit. They're like actually out there fucking saying like this election's bullshit. Um, what has happened is bullshit. And they're right there at the politician's doorstep. Like that yeah. was awesome to see. And it was that's really actually, cool to see. And that's actually a true definition to petition our government in the First Amendment. What we saw with the BLM riots, and actually I would consider those actual insurrections when they actually took over city blocks, uh, government buildings, attacked federal buildings, actually murdered people in the streets, assaulted thousands of officers, even though I think some officers deserve it. That's a different topic for a different day. <laughs> um, I'm actually very, uh, me being mega, I'm very, uh, there's a certain mega that I'm, different topics, different topics. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get you. And you look at, they're still doing it. But they didn't petition their government or protest their government. They actually overthrew and destroyed city blocks and neighborhoods and made it more dangerous to live in these neighborhoods, especially in minority neighborhoods. Yeah. What happened on January 6th was an actual petition and protest at the government, which we have the right to do in our Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. And, and to be fair, too, there was no plan of going inside. It wasn't until the cops initiated this violent attack on peaceful protesters where I actually saw women, children, and elderly men and women beaten, pepper sprayed, flashbanging us, 
something you never think you would see in our country like that. Yeah. And things they weren't doing with these riots all over the country. They actually attacked American citizens and murdered five of them on that day and came after thousands and still coming after thousands more. But they say they can't find certain people that attacked these buildings all over. Oh, yeah. How about the January 6th pipe bomber? Yeah, we can't identify yeah. him. But you're identifying people from January 6th with their cell phone data and where they're at. Yeah. And to go off top. That would kind of lead into the involvement of all, even though I, before I even had you guys probably follow me before I followed you guys, probably when I was still going through my court case, I was calling January 6th a stage psyop, even though I do believe it's a, it was a stage psyop organized by the FBI and probably CIA in that realm too. I don't even think they realized it was going to be the way it did. Right. But us being us, we didn't go, we actually contained ourselves as much as we could. And, you know, tr and Trump said, hey, go home, go home. But if we would have went all the way through with what could have happened, I don't know what it'd be like right now, but either way, what the media, I didn't even think it was like, yeah, I was upset what I saw from the cops. I didn't realize that, like, they, that what the media was doing until I got to the hotel that night. And the next day, I'm seeing the FBI on live air said, We're going to come hunt you down. I was like, Oh, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is some Soviet Union stuff right here, dude. And that's, yeah, that's what, what see, that's yeah. what that's I was like, going to ask you. That's that was the yeah. that was going to be my question. I was like, So when did you see? Because we were by the time you got to the hotel, we were sitting there probably six beers deep watching it on tv and like oh these motherfuckers are inside like we we were sharing memes on that day because we are <laughs> yeah. our, 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 our buddy was in our... jail when he was watching it that day really <laughs> God damn. but yeah like we were so i mean there's the the big picture was like the lady the kind of crazy looking frazzled lady with the big glasses just kind of like walking through in the yeah. ropes like we were sharing that meme. The fucking dude. With, I can't. I can never remember his name. The fucking. Jake. I actually Jake. know Jake. Yeah. I know. I know yeah. Jake. I I personally yeah. know. Him. Yep. Wasn't he's he a, in Arizona too? He lived. Yeah. He's from here in Phoenix. Yeah. He yeah. would not. So, he would not harm a fly. Oh no! I, I listen to this guy talk. Everything that I've heard from him, um, either since or even you can find some from before. He seems like a very um spiritual guy yeah, like a is. very very uh mild mannered not overly oh, yeah. aggressive no. like he doesn't seem like that and even in the videos watching him in the capitol he wasn't overtly aggressive he wasn't then no. the only he was people thanking that I the saw... cops that day like thank you yeah. for letting us in here like thank you and yeah. like yeah they, they weren't giving me like, a thank you man yeah <laughs> when tucker when tucker carlson released that video like it was like a month ago maybe two months ago and there's like police officers like trying to unlock doors and letting him in like the room and stuff and you're like what that was not being shown the day uh even a couple weeks or a couple months oh, yeah. after like the... so see i think the worst part what it is is that the the doj is hiding and the media doesn't want to talk about even i would get your your so-called conservative media 
yeah. is what the DOJ and these prosecutors are doing, that what they did to people like me and people they're still doing it to, where they're hiding evidence. They're not releasing footage for uh, discovery. They're making you either plead you in a charge or they're going to make you go to trial and get convicted of every charge. And when they write these stories about you for their government paperwork, I have ne- it's like reading a fucking Harry Potter fairy tale, dude, where they're spicing everything up. I'm being serious, dude. I'll email one of my my papers, dude, and the shit they say is act- it's lies, misconceptions, fallacies, and just twisting something that never happened to create this story of this violent day. And when they assaulted the Capitol, it's like I don't. It's like, do you even know what an assault is? Like in the Marine Corps, when we're gonna go yeah. for an assault, you're doing an actual maneuver, and you're gonna go like. These words they play, man. Um, uh, no, but you're looking at that and these, and you look at some of the people that are getting these ridiculous sentences just for a petty misdemeanor. When the people on the other side could actually riot, throw uh, those mailed out by politicians. Yeah, uh, it's they they don't they actually do think people like me in this mega they really do think we're some sort of Nazi or a fascist, which is. Dumb, but they live in a chaotic world that they can't comprehend, and they live in a world full of fallacies and a bubble. But even though I do believe of all the evidence that – and it's been proven in these courts already, and they're trying to suppress the information with major FBI involvement, setting that up and undercover D.C. Metro Police, it, we acted the way we should have. And I'm glad we did it because our people, how you and I think libertarians, conservatives, pro-American people, we've been sitting back for far too long doing nothing, and we had to do that. Sometimes you have to. And it, the punishment, it is what it is, even though I don't consider it a punishment. I consider it more of a political piece of curse, and it is what it is, but we had to do what we had to do. And at the end of the day, like I said, I have faith in God. Those FBI agents, those people that were involved with this and behind a closed door trying to set this up, these prosecutors, these judges, it's all going to catch up to them eventually because deep down when they're at home, they're drinking up, they're opening up a cold one or they're doing drugs and they're thinking about, they know they're not a good person. Deep down, they know they're a good, they're, I don't know. They can't. They know. It's just how morality works. And it's all going to catch up to them. Either it doesn't happen now or when they meet God, when they die, or they're going to face the punishment for what they've been doing. But no, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it that day. I mean, I enjoyed it too, man. I, I would, <laughs> <laughs> ah, man, it was, it was on it was my crazy. 20, the day after my 25th birthday, it was my 21st birthday present. So, um, even though there was, there were some dark moments in it and, it still had to happen, and I I consider it a day in history that it's going to be actually look – instead of negative, it's going to look – how we look at rebellions in the American history and the American – it's going to look like that for our, for our people and what we stand for in this country. Yeah, it's uh, – what, what do you remember most about that day? Probably, I'm, I'm going to guess, you know – the probably some of the darker moments of it where it's yeah the, so like half of 
this is the weird thing about that day that I don't understand. It seems like one side was completely like bombarded with cops and the cops were going after one side. And then the other side was literally walking people through the Capitol. Yeah, I don't understand that. Because they didn't talk. That's how you could prove to pinpoint how these officers didn't know what was going on and they weren't community. I, I, when I, when I was there watching these, these, um, I'll call them a capital police. And then I, I'll, I'll call them a squad leader. I would say how mm-hmm. they're supposed to be direct under officers. Mm-hmm. These so-called squad leaders were screaming like actual screaming, like girls, they didn't know what to do. They were just throwing their hands in the air and female officers were just using their baton. Just be like, all right, just get off the step. And then you had actual officers just laying hands on people. I saw this one Trump supporter. He had a whole bear. He had a, it was bear spray. It was, it had, had a giant bear on there. I saw him release it on four cops. And these cops were just screaming bloody murder, which I had no, I'm glad they got it. You know, even though it shouldn't be very unchristian of me, but this is the, the evil in me talking. But the American me talking, when you face actual evil, like what I saw that day, it had to happen. These people need to know you're not protected here. This is our country. You know, I, um, I'm, I can, to be fair, I actually consider myself a radical revolutionist now because of events leading up to that day and after. You know, I'm, I'm a radical and I believe in a form of an American revolution to take this country back because. We're already in a revolution, a Marxist revolution, and the only way to defeat that revolution is by a patriotic American revolution to restore law and order back in this country. Because a civil yeah. war ain't going to do it. A civil right. war well, isn't a, a revolution. War is horrible. Yeah, it's yeah. horrible, and it's absolutely it decimates the the, yeah. the culture, it decimates thing, the society. And what I told people too, a revolution just isn't political violence. It's Taking back institutions, creating better jobs, uh, competing in the market, taking back culture traditions, but there will there will be forms of violence in the street, especially if like these people in these cities and um, these these gangs and these youth groups, like what happened in Chicago last weekend. If the cops ain't gonna stop that, eventually it's gonna be people like you and I and people in those streets are like we're done with this. If we're not gonna do it, we're gonna take care of it. So yeah. we want to do everything no, I, we can. We want to do everything we can to to stay away and refrain from violence. But it's human nature that to defend ourselves and to defend a country like this. Sometimes that's the only thing you have left when nothing else is working. When the government fails and no one, the cops can't do anything. Even though I think the cops have too much power. But uh, yeah, man, that's pretty much my thing on J six, and that's how I led to Luke Robinson. Um confronting him as an FBI informant, like uh, him and Ray Epps. And when I did that, the government, the prosecutor came hard after me. Did they? <laughs> they were not happy really? about that. So, mm-hmm. Did you they do that while you were still in the midst of your yep. your case? I said, I already knew, like, fuck it, they're going to already try to throw me in prison anyways. All they, all they had, to, all the thing they had on me is they were trying to do whatever they could they throw me in prison because of my Twitter for free speech. They said I was a dangerous conspiracy theorist and spreading dangerous misinformation. I'm, you can find articles on that. 
That's what the pro and that's what the prosecutor actually said in the court case. He says he's spreading dangerous misinformation about this case in January sixth. And the judge really can't do anything about it because he's like, Well, you could have you could have told him to shut up or you're violating his first amendment, but he just stayed silent while this unhinged prosecutor, Sean Murphy, by the way, uh, went on this unhinged rant just about my tweets, my first amendment, my interviews, my videos. They don't, these people in DC don't like that you and I can speak freely and to have these ideas. Oh no, we know. Um, so I'll, I'll give you a little background on how we know we had a buddy of ours that was a captain in the Marine Corps. Um, he came on while he was still active duty and, uh, we were talking about a theoretical, uh, <laughs> boogaloo happening. I don't know if you know much about the boogaloo movement, but it was yeah, kind of, yeah, very libertarian. Yeah. It was, it was very libertarian, especially at first. Um, but the boogaloo movement. So we were, we were saying like, if there was a, an authoritarian takeover, like military, authoritarian takeover of the United States where they're coming after people in the United States. And we, we didn't even say that it was the United States government. We said it could be a foreign government. It could be whoever, how would that look? And we were talking about the difference between um, what was the type It was the difference between tactics and strategy. I think that was the, the yeah, point. there's like the levels to there's it. Like levels everyone, to shit. everyone always wants to talk about tactics. Like that, that's what like, you know, getting geared small up, kicking warfare. in doors, smart, yeah. small unit, you warm fair. And he was coming from, uh, from like the theater and strategical levels, like how the, yep. Uh, operations of like the military actually like function and like what you actually would have to do to succeed in, uh, in uh, some sort of revolution against an authoritarian regime. And yeah. it was just, and it was all, well, let's just say like, we were, we were, <laughs> we were pretty, uh, we made some jokes on that episode that probably, we probably got him more in trouble, honestly, than, than was him. he, was he active duty still? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. That, uh, yeah. yeah, the military has yeah. different guidelines, but still, but well, still, they do. I get it. They do. They do. I, I, um, I, and you know, we we were trying. To, we Typo and I were trying to be as careful for him as possible, <laughs> but he wasn't as careful for himself at the same time. <laughs> and I'm, you know, we didn't help. Like Typo and I didn't help. But anyways, um, so that that got. We did that whole episode. It's actually our most listened to episode. Um, it's a three hour or almost four hour fucking episode about strategy. We were hammered as fuck. We got really <laughs> drunk during it. Like it was a good time. We got to hang out with a guy that we hadn't gotten to talk to in a while. It was a fucking really fun episode. A lot of bullshitting. And then there was a lot of bullshitting and then strategy talk, you know, like it wasn't like we were just sitting there and I, I'll make it very clear again. We weren't specifically talking about the United States. And we said that multiple times we were talking if any kind of authoritarian government, but anyways, regardless. So a few months go by, we lost contact. Can't, can't get a hold of this guy. Can't get a hold of this guy. Oh, uh, no. Turns out he was raided in the middle of the night and all this came out and, um by uh, our podcast was our podcast was the center of his um case for ncis and so uh we we didn't get involved because i guess they thought there wasn't really it was an ncis case it wasn't a like a like a first amendment violation yeah, we were case, protected. i guess 
Yeah, we were protected I, under the First Amendment, but he was not protected under the First Amendment. Yeah, he was we not protected because under. we signed those rights away as soon as we get Absolutely. in. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And that's what I think we got to change too, because I think everyone should have, even if we join the military, we still are Americans and we have liberties and rights. Just, and I just can't, they actually rated that. Like, that's, was this it, under it was the Biden? Crazy. Was this under the Biden administration? No, this was, this under, was under Trump. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't like that either, man. Um, yeah, that's a, yeah. And so, you know, it's crazy. And so this is the, the only reason why I bring it up is because I can I can understand I don't relate because it didn't happen to me personally. But after finally getting back in contact with this guy, he kind of told us a little bit more. And then, um, you know, I was talking to his lawyer and things like that, trying to just get some more information and figure out, you know, what's are they coming after us next? Like what's happening kind of deal? And uh, yeah, it, made it, it made us a little nervous. For a it little made bit. us a little nervous for a while, but it, it's just one of those things that you never thought, like I never thought when we first started doing this podcast that talking about certain subjects or things like that without and with varying degrees of saying like, I'm, I'm not a very violent person. Like I, yes, I, I joined the military. I got in fights in school. I went to a ghetto school and I was a white kid. Like I, you know, I would, but I'm not, I'm not generally not looking for a fight, but I will defend myself. Yeah. And I think that's most never, Americans. Yeah. And I think that's most, just most people in general, and maybe not so much anymore, especially after watching COVID and things like that. I have a <laughs> lot of distrust in actually believing people will stand up for themselves. Yeah. But at the same time, I never thought when we first started doing this, that even just speaking in a theoretical sense and with valid, like actual warnings throughout the podcast, like we're not saying that this needs to happen. We're saying that if something does happen, like very clear, plain English, that this is not saying that this needs to happen right now. And this is what we're going to do. Like we were not inciting a revolution or violence or anything. We were talking in very broad terms about a subject that many people have talked about in plenty of books and things and yeah. everywhere else across our, especially United States history. Like this wasn't a, this isn't a crazy idea of like, this is what men think about when they go to sleep at night. Worst case scenario, what yeah. are you doing in a crazy ass situation? Um, and to think that somebody could get tagged for that. And especially the same way that the protesters of January 6th did in the same sense, it's just a, it makes you really think, and this will bring me to my next question is, and it's kind of funny that you, um, you came on, uh, the week that you did, because two weeks ago we had a, a guy that, uh, decided he was in the, he was in the Marine Corps. Yeah. He was in the Marine Corps and then, uh, got out and decided he wanted to become a history teacher and was becoming a history teacher. And then was like, what the fuck is up with the academies? Like, I can't, He's like, I, I can't do this anymore because he just saw so much wrong with it that he decided he wasn't going to do that. And he's running his own podcast because he feels like he can teach people better that way. And then last week we had on a guy um, named Pete Quinones. He runs uh, the Free Man Beyond the Wall podcast. Uh, I think it's just, yeah, I think he still it, calls it Pete, that, right? It's, no, it's, it's the Pete, Pete Quinones show. show now. Yeah. 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 So, so, but we talked about culture. And so we had the historical aspect the week before. And then we were, we were very heavily focused on culture this last week. And 
I think that's where my interest lays now more so than, um, and and the reason why I thought it would it'd be good to bring this up with you is because you were speaking about culture earlier and how you want to take back some of the culture. And I think that's where con- a lot of conservatives and, and that the Republican party in itself has been losing culture for forever. Yeah. Like it's just, it's almost non-existent. They don't have a culture. Their culture is whatever the Democrats culture was 10 years prior. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think it's, I think what you're doing is uh, I understand it and it makes sense. And there needs to be more of that. And not everybody's going to be able to do what you're going to do, but there needs to be more of that. And that's probably why we kind of started this in the first place, or at least what we've morphed into. So do you think, uh, the, I guess my question would be, do you think the culture is more important than the politics or is the politics more important than the culture? Or are they so intertwined at this point that you need both? How did Hitler win his revolution? It was all populist did, movement and culture. How, how did Mao? Mao did that. Yep. The Soviet Union under Lenin, it was about identifying to their working class and that culture of it. Yep. You take care when you identify yourself as a culture and one unity, you're going to gain power. And America is a nation. Here's the thing when my ancestors settled here, we weren't immigrants. We took European values and settled in New York and we colonized it and we conquered all of America because that's what we just did. People got, you know, you could go back into history when. Nations when Genghis Khan conquered all of Asia. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but we took our values and we settled in America and we lived here. Then we had the American Revolution. We said, We're done with these British ruling under a king. We're going to form our own government and live under all culture and beliefs and values. When you break apart that values and culture, you get all these massive divisions. I mean, I think that a lot of that has to do with immigration. Once they started letting more immigrants here, um, I don't. I'm talking immigrants from Europe, Asia. I'm talking every immigrant you could think of, especially after 1965, because it's just dividing this country. Because they come here. And mostly it's for economic purpose, but they don't want to get involved in government or know what's going on. And they vote a certain way and they like these ideas and they make their, they leave their, their shit ass country and make their neighborhood just like that neighborhood of their country. And it just, and we do nothing about it, but yeah, we have to have a shield culture, you know, and, and what's great about podcasting since you brought up your friend who went was going to be a history teacher and and the the academy or the universities were uh, that's why i'm going to a christian university and a private one because i i went to a community college first and i dealt with that first tan but i didn't back down Uh, i know so many conservatives that go to these progressive universities that are pushing socialism well i'll just say marxism in general where they just they're quiet they hide under the table they do what they're told I ain't putting up with that bullshit. You're gonna, I'm gonna let you know who I am, and I'm not gonna. Uh, you're, you're not gonna bully me. And I, my professors found that out real quick about me that I don't play. And ever since January 6, 
every uh, the first day of class, I always tell the people I was at January 6th. I have no regrets. <laughs> I would do it again. I'm not going to put up with bullshit. And I, and when yeah. people try to bring it up, I call them out, man. I don't put up with it, that's man. So you know, savage, I, dude, they, bro. <laughs> dude, they probably they're probably like scared of you. Dude, that's that's actually awesome. Okay, so I will say that I have. So I, I'm in the class of the president of our university. He's a great great young man. I'm sitting there in class. I always sit up front. He sits in the back. He's like, MJ, I don't know if I should be terrified from you, and that's why I'm trying to be your friend. I'm like, well, you should, you have to, I, they think you're like, the school shooter type, dude. That's yeah, why, like, bro. Yeah, and I and I tell him like, look, you don't have to feel that way, man. I love all you guys. It's just I'm a radical, and I love this country, and I'll do anything to support it. <laughs> yeah, but that's so funny. To go back to you, so I'm glad. And the thing is, we don't need a, a lot. A lot of my professors realized I'm ahead of my peers when it comes to knowledge around politics, philosophy, political philosophy, theory, and history, right. because I've been around this stuff for a while, and I, I watch hours of documentaries, academic sources, and I mean. This and is it's just something one, that you're passionate about. And that's just one of my bookshelves. Yeah. So honestly, I've even though I'm graduating with my bachelor's, um to be fair, I'm probably closer to a PhD level of knowledge when it comes to political theory and like uh socialism, nationalism, government stuff and that authoritarian regimes, democracies. This has kind of been my thing. But Going to podcasting, that is the new technology revolution, and that's this is the biggest weapon against the government is podcasting and doing videos like this where millions of Americans are doing the same thing what you and I are doing, even if we don't have yeah. thousands of followers. Absolutely. Someone, someone's hearing this, and they're going to share it, and it gets connected to bigger people. Or they might like this, or they go back to 20 years, and or your friend who's a history – he could read this. He could read a couple history books on a certain topic, get on a podcast and talk about it, and get thousands of views, and explain it better or just just as good or even better than what a professor could do at Absolutely. an academic level. And he yeah. could be reaching millions of more people because with an instant click of a share on YouTube or Rumble, whatever it, uh, social media use. This is the revolution of technology, man, and the First Amendment, and they will do anything they can to shut this down because the biggest thing that irks me about conservatives, they're coming for our guns. They're coming for our guns, bro. They've become, what about your first amendment? What about your fifth amendment? What about your fourth amendment that gets violated all the time or all your sixth? Amendment? But it's always the second amendment, the second amendment is like, dude, what about the other amendments that actually have been attacked more than the second amendment that actually do protect you in other ways from like actual government traditional systems and persecutions and unwarrantless seizures. Yeah. You know, the, the thing that I think about is the second amendment is so important because it protects the rights that the other amendments are, you know what I mean? Like that's kind of how I see it, but I, I can I, understand where you're coming from in it. I agree with you on that. But the thing is what protects your second amendment? It's your, your first, first amendment. amendment. Absolutely. They're all, they're all. Because when I'm holding fine. a rifle in Arizona, a lot of people, there's people that come to Arizona that are not from here. Like 
you guys are allowed to protest if you're AR-15s on state yep. grounds. Yeah, it's the First Amendment, and we and we're yeah. a constitutional carry state. But yep. um, yeah, I don't know where I was going to go with that after that. But no, I agree with you on that. Sorry, too. I, I kind of interrupted you. <laughs> no, no, I'm all, I'm interrupting you guys too. But no, it's this is this is the stuff I get into and why I want to be a professor and why I do my YouTube channel and my Twitter and I want to talk about these ideas and like get people to actually start critically thinking again. I mean, our education is so dumbed down. I mean, you go to these major cities or even rural America now where people are graduating with an eighth grade English level, math, reading. Well, you know, you know, that's kind of one of the problems of, you know, that's kind of what where one of my problem lays with the the rural school systems is if you really take a look at it, as much as it's more controlled and it has a, a more social benefit for the people and uh, of that community and more oversight by the community. Uh, generally, the education's not as strong, near as strong no. as some of the cities, and that's no. kind of a problem that we ha- that that I see with yep. you know a lot of rural Americas that um, it's just not as well put together as some of the cities. Even though the cities are like, I'm not saying the cities' education systems are good by any means. Yeah, they're 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 hor- horrendous and more indoctrinated than the ones in yeah. rural. But uh, the the ability to educate to a level, a, a higher level, um, isn't quite there in rural America. And yeah. that's kind of crazy to see. See, what we should be doing is when you get when you have a foreign exchange student here in the States, majority of them speak two to three different languages. Yes. Before yeah. they're 16. Mm-hmm. We should be learning two to At three different one. languages yeah. uh, well okay I'll, one to two besides yeah. english one to two languages yeah before the age of 15 another thing is too we should be by the time we're in eighth grade our english proficiency should be a 12th grade level yeah i really do believe that and I think a lot of the best way to go about our educational system is to create the educational how universities are ran. We treat our schools like that. And what we need to do is by the time a kid's in eighth grade, when they're entering high school, they should focus on a career path they want to get into. And that's what they're going to straight. So it's say typo, you wanted to be a welder since you're in eighth grade. They sent you off to a school and you're going to learn knowledge about welding. By the time you're graduating, you're going to be a pro efficient welder and you go under like being a underwater welder or working on massive bridges, skyscrapers. Yeah. 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 Like I think, I think that's uh like when I, my, my small town here, they had like kind of like programs where like kids could um spend the first part of their day in class, like going to learn mechanics. Uh, welding was actually a part of it. I didn't do it in high school. I didn't take advantage of it at the time. But they did have nursing and stuff like that. But I do think, I honestly, in a lot of ways, I don't even think that if most kids need to be going to school as long as we do. I mean, honestly, no. the, the school kind of like holds kids back. It doesn't prepare you for the real world. And by the time no. you're like 18, you're kind of like a young adult and you have no idea really how to operate in the society. Yeah. You don't really learn about financing or budgeting. Yeah. You don't learn anything about like loans. Um, So like, like a, a yeah. lot of it's just completely useless. Like 
like to be honest, like now in the career path path I have now, like most of the math I learned is completely fucking useless. Like I do not yeah. need to learn like applied calculus. I mean, I'm sure it's useful in some fields and it's good that they can teach that, but I just didn't I don't need that. I don't I have no use for that in the field that I'm in now. There's other things other things that like it really goes into science and mathematics, which I, I'm not necessarily against, but I don't think we need to cater all of those toward uh to the same population because we're, we're all different and we all yeah. have different specialities. We have individuality and we all go into different career yep. paths and there's no reason we need to cater all the education system to just groom them for one type, like for yep. academia, basically oh, it's, yeah. it's groomed for them to go into college. And, and this, I don't think that you need to do that. Oh yeah. And this has came up because of the government involvement too much of it involved in education. Yeah, and the reason yeah. why is they want more of your tax money. You have to graduate at 18. You have to do this. You have to get these requirements. And all it's done is made this made it worse for our country. By the time you're 14, you surely know how to write a check, do loans. A uh, lot of that falls on parents, in my opinion. Oh, That's that too. Parenting. Parents, yeah, parent, yeah, That's parents, true. that too. But I think it should also be learned in school. A lot of things you should be taught at home as well. And there's a lot of things at school that shouldn't be taught that should only the parents should be teaching. Right. But no, yeah, it's, it's something we have to change to really move forward as well. And that's just education, you know, but a lot of things we got to do in the military education government. There's a lot of, a lot of rot. Yeah. We make it this, <laughs> we make it this far and now we're changing everything where it's just like, why is it getting worse here <laughs> if it was? Yeah. Well, and, yeah. you know, I actually, I actually had this conversation with my mom the other day where uh, I think I sent the chats over to typo, but we were talking, I was yeah. talking about how there was a lot of, um, I was like, you see, so there was a lot of problems that a lot of these problems that we are looking at today have stemmed from um, decisions and actions in the early 20th century, you know, 1913, yeah, would, 1917. Dating back like to that. Woodrow Wilson. Yeah, dating back to Woodrow Wilson and, and, and since a, we're a saying that things. right now, uh, let me get this big old pappy out. <laughs> oh God, his own book he wrote. <laughs> Look at that! Ooh, damn, that is a big ass book. He created that. He is the reason why we have public administration. So the yep. VA, the DOJ, which I think there's. I think there's some administration we need, you know. I don't I think that's part of government, you know. I mean I think it's just been corrupted because he was the founder of the dichotomy where public administration and politics has to be separated. But once you involve politics and public administration, we get to where we're at now. But I didn't mean right. to interrupt you, brother. Keep going. No. No, and well, and then I said there was a big shift in the sixties. I think us I think if you could if you could limit things down and see like so yes, a lot of it stems from that era, that earlier 20th, 20th century era, but the capitalization on the things that happened in the early 20th century, if you could if you could find a place where it was capitalized upon and draw direct connections to what happened in the 60s, late yep. 50s and then all the way through the 60s, you can see the direct correlations to what's going on now. And it's just an interesting it's such an interesting period of time, you know, because yeah. we had 
the the wars that were that was going on the draft um the hippie Wait. movement that was huge well i think even for technology because whoever technology, thought were absolutely well the biggest technology i think the the greatest technology advancement ever i mean i'm i'm even talking this out this is even better than the nuclear bomb like the nuclear bomb does not compare to what we did in the 60s when we went to space and went to the moon I don't think nothing's ever going to compare to that. And that's my, you know, people say, well, the nuclear bomb or AI. No, no. Dude, nothing. We took in the 60s, we went to the moon with barely advancement of technology and we made it through it and back. Yeah. Well, and a lot of the research done for the moon is what created the internet. Um, yeah. And the I think the internet is one of the most important and most revolutionary uh, things for humanity in oh, the yeah. world. I it's, can't tell you. I I enjoy it, man. It, now, is it? Uh, this is why. Oh, I it's go, a shithole too. Oh, it's yeah. both. Like, yeah. it's, it's it's the epitome of the human experience, where you have yes. the absolute worst of the worst on the internet, and the fucking evangelical most amazing part. Like yeah. whether it's knowledge or whatever, you have yep. both and it's all of it in one spot. And it, that's yep. why it's the craziest thing ever. I just like it was how much I care about education and just everything, you know, going on YouTube. I'm going to watch this documentary anything. or let me read this source or from this professor or this, this guy. But th that's why we're humans. And I'm actually a really outdoorsy guy. I do a lot of I do a lot of hiking, but I do a lot of fly fishing. So I'm always up in the mountains to yeah. get away from this right here, you know, because we have to be, we have to get back to that as a, as human beings as getting away from this and going out in public. Like, absolutely. You, you, did you watch these black and white videos from the 1920s and thirties where every major city downtown, like the, even during the week, everyone was out. They were taking their family. They were walking. Mm -hmm. Now we don't do that. Everyone kind of stays home. We're kind of getting fat and lazy, or you can't go out because you don't know if you're going to get freaking mugged or robbed or see a dude defecating on the street. Not saying that's every part of the city, but we no, need to no, bring you're that. Right, though. We need to bring that back into the American. This is part of the American culture. What I'm getting at, where. We could go up and bring our families to the city and go to a restaurant, get some ice cream, go to a ball game, and and actually be safe and not worry about some dude mugging you. Yeah. No, I I absolutely agree. Um, well, and it gets you away from the technology too. So yeah, which is good. You need a break from you need a break from it. And there's there's something about the human experience that needs the the nature part of the mother earth part of yep. our experience. Like it, it needs it. You just, you just do. There's, there's a reason why it resets your circadian rhythm. When you go out and you wake up with the sun and go to sleep with the, this, the stars and the moon, like there's, it's just a, it's a part of us as much yeah. as we feel like we're so far removed from it, especially in the cities. Oh yeah. And um, I actually, it's a, it's a part of us. I don't use an alarm clock. I'm actually up between four 30 and five, right. When the sun's peaking, <laughs> And when the sun goes down, I'm usually getting close to falling asleep and I'll be in bed by nine or 10 most nights. Yeah. And I think it just helps. You're a better you know, man not, than me. <laughs> hey, every, you know, I, 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 I may, some people can't do it, you know, because 
uh, in a way, well, people work or they're doing other things, but you know, that's how I kind of function, you know, it's like, okay, I'm up. Yeah. Time to get in the gym, do what I got to do. I'm just a big, uh, I took some great traits from the Marine Corps. Obviously I still get a, I get a low fade once a week. I haven't had, I haven't missed a haircut in 2015 to 2023. How many years is that? Eight years. I haven't missed a haircut in eight years. Look at you, Uh, dude. (laughs) I was like, I'm, I'm nice and long now. No, but just because (laughs) I've always like short hair and I get the low fade just because I do like the longer hair. So it's long up top, but I keep it low yeah, here. Yeah. I just I I just like a clean the work I'm in, professionalism, the activism I do yeah. around the city. Uh and I and I, even when I was in high school, I, I didn't like facial hair. So I just grow up my mustache and but <laughs> well, I, my hygiene is still Marine Corps and maybe waking yeah. up and but because there's traits we all take from the Marine Corps that help us out. That, Absolutely. But civilians Absolutely. would not Yeah, understand. I'm still in I'm still an anal clean freak, dude. I can't. Oh, I, yeah. You walk in my house. Um, <laughs> uh, it's I'm organized and clean. And actually, I think the biggest thing I took from the Marine Corps too, even though I was a gun guy before I went in the Corps, even after the Corps, like after I would, sh- gun even like, uh, even though I can't possess any firearms, but I'm I'm on probation for J six. Uh, yeah. My my firearm safety and how I would clean them right after shooting them still the same as the Corps. Yeah. But yeah, hell, man, no. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, we've been we've been going for almost two hours now. I don't know. Typo is going to have to go to work in the morning. So I want to take this last part and let's talk a little bit about your show and what you've been doing. I, I kind of want to talk about that, learn about that, and then we can wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, obviously, you said the JFK report. He is my favorite president in American history. I have a two. I have his his letters. I have a historical book on him as well. And I have two books written by his nephew, Robert Kennedy Jr. I'm a big Kennedy guy. I like his inspiration for America and yeah, just putting America first pretty much. He, yeah. He's kind of one of like the first guy, even though he didn't, he's kind of like Say one of the it, first like guys. I actually like it's, it's about America first. And that's it. That's like yeah. America first bitch. I don't know if I'm going to cuss on here, but that's pretty much what it is. Oh yeah. You can cuss. <laughs> okay, oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Even though he didn't like say it, but pretty much his mentality was America first bitch. And that's it. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I stay away from, you know, all these talk radios and podcasts on political talk. I want to get mm-hmm. away, from, you know, it's all, it's kind of the same. They get these news segments and they're talking about different pieces or this is what's going on for the day or the week or. Yeah. The current events the, and things like or that. Or the new conspiracy theory. We talked, we said it was true six months ago. And now it's like, well, we all knew it was true. I stay yeah. away from there. Kind of like your friend who's doing history. Yeah. I talk about political philosophy and propaganda and I talk about historical movements and I can I compare them to movements that are happening today in America with comparing like how this progressive movement in America is similar to the Bolshevik revolution of 1917 and I talk about conservatism liberalism so I'm talking about ideas and history what we could do for the future and and what we should, and now also like inspirational kind of stuff for like men and getting in a gym. So I, so yeah, it is politics, culture, government, but it's not like what you would hear 
on your typical radio host, you know, Monday through Friday. Yeah. I just, I, I don't want, I want to do something different that it kind of gets away from that, but it, it keeps you more interested, you know? So that's what I do. Then well, it seems this, like you're more focused on culture, which is kind of what I've taken yeah, from you this entire, cult, this entire culture, education, um, academic, right. you know, tr fit, true, actual, factual stuff. And, and I, I'm also, I also, you know, I do like, I guess you could call it journalism, but I, I go around the city and I cover rallies or I interview people, uh, politicians or activists or see what's going on or people protesting. And I've even formed rallies across the city. So I, yeah, it's pretty much what I do with the JFK report. You know, it's kind of like a pseudonym for who I am, you know? So yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, we'll definitely, I mean, put it in our show notes so people can find you, but uh, you know, I think that's good. And you know, a lot, there's going to be people that I know, maybe not our listeners specifically, but there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be upset that you were at January 6th and things like oh, that. Oh yeah. I, and yeah. and I love it. I I love it. I think it's I think it's uh I think one of the reasons when Typo told me he found you cuz I didn't know about you yet. Uh when Typo told me he found you and had started talking to you and that he was going to bring you on, I was like, "Oh, that's really fucking interesting." And I didn't quite know exactly what I was going to get out of you. I didn't know if it was going to be like the craziness side of the MAGA side, you know, because there's, a, there's a pretty crazy sect out there. Of yeah, it. no, just like there's yeah. a crazy sect of all of it. There's a crazy yeah. sect of libertarian. There's a crazy sect of it all. Or if I was going to get what I think we actually got is somebody that's focused on bringing back a culture of, you know, family values, um, education, um, uh, like a pro-American attitude uh, to the extent of what it was, I guess, culturally at the time um, to, you know, bring about prosperity to everybody that's in this country and an understanding of what is correct, what is right and wrong, morally, legally. Um, and, you know, I fucking really appreciate you coming on, dude. Oh, yeah. And uh, real quick, just since you brought that up with uh my dad realized he knew i was involved in politics and government he knew i had a passion for it mm -hmm. the moment he knew this was going to be my life is when he saw he turned on the news and january 6th was happening and he knew i was there okay. <laughs> he didn't say anything to me he my mom's like you gonna say anything to your son he's like no i have nothing wrong with what he did he's 25 this is his life. My dad's never talked to me about it. He's never praised me about it. He's never degraded me about it. It's just, but I know deep down, he's glad I was there. So just acceptance. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> just yeah. acceptance. <laughs> yeah. And uh, for a lot of listeners, I, I am, this could be never, we'll finish it right here, but no, I'm very fine. pro, I'm very pro marijuana and I'm very, anti-police in a way we need policing but we need to reform policing to better today's american society just because i'm mega doesn't mean i'm for this police state and i'm anti-weed no i'm like i said i there's things we could do to better this country but i appreciate it guys yeah dude it was fucking yeah. awesome i really appreciate your time man you got you're, oh yeah i, I appreciate your guys' time you're a really interesting dude and you got a like really interesting story with 
with everything you've been through and stuff and it's been it was a great talk and i'm sure we can we'll link up uh in the future sometime as well oh yeah well since i know your 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 brother here is in mesa i'll definitely have to yeah. link up with them man <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that's dude, only you have to tell me sure. you have to tell me about the rallies and shit <laughs> yeah i got you man i appreciate it, guys well i, I appreciate it. thank you guys yeah, no problem. Um, for everybody out there, obviously his stuff's going to be in the show notes. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. That was a really fucking fun one. And uh, we'll be back next week, same time. That's the shit show. We out.